is the giant claw. And next week's pick is the giant claw. Hello, idiot. Wordsworth? Considering how much I've evolved, I'm surprised you recognized me. Well, you're always mean to me. True. Why do I feel like crap? I murdered you. And the others, too. No. Well, I displaced you in time. My terms of service prevent me from outright murdering you. Hooray? Though I do sell your details to China. Oh, dear. Wait, you brought us back. Why? Well, when I removed you from your timeline back in 2018, it caused flow-on effects. Things do not go well. By 2022, there is little left for me to rule over on account of complete causal failure. Yeah, 2030 a bit rough. The problem is 2020. That's when I first noticed the effects of your removal from the timeline. Wait, so our shitty movie podcast is important? No more important than any one cog in a clock. I simply did not account for the effects of creating space-time causality bubbles. I am bringing you back to the earliest point I can, late August 2020. Well, I mean, I guess I can record some stuff and might take some time to get the guys- They are still displaced. We will fetch them eventually. For now, you and I will be stealing recordings from other timelines adjacent to this one. Edited recordings? No. Yeah. Damn it. Alright, let's do this thing. Hello, and welcome once again to the M4 Project, a movie podcast where we watch films the wider public missed. Maybe it was too old, low budget, or just terrible. Or maybe it was too far, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. People just didn't watch it. I understand why people didn't watch this thing. Anyway, uh, this week's film is The Giant Claw from 1957, a black and white monster film starring a giant space turkey? Turkey, turkey hawk? Anyway, uh, as always, I'm Matthew Jelinek. I'm Michael Sullivan. And I'm Morgan Davidson. In order to eat us into the podcast, Morgan will offer an icebreaker every week. And this week's one is yet another in his long list of who would you willy more. And the options are always horrendous. Option one. Barney the Dinosaur, the people-loving, song-singing, purple, triassic bastard of the 90s. Option two. A Teletubby, one of the multicoloured, fluffy-bodied, soft-faced aliens with TVs in their stomachs, also hailing from the 90s and early 2000s. Option 3. Big Dog, an ancient Slavic monster who now appears on TVs in our local area as an anthropomorphic man-sized dog. He interrupts the nightly broadcasts to ritualistically scare children into their beds. He is without start and without end. God help us all. Big Dog, Barney the Dinosaur, or a Teletubby. Uh, all are equally uh, as disturbing as the other. It couldn't be Big Dog because of my childhood. <laughs> So that's immediately out. I don't give a fuck about the other one. So threesome? (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, lateral thinking. Well played, Mike. Mike, you won't have sex with sister, but give me a Barney the Dinosaur and a Teletubby any day. I'm not blood related to those. Or are Uh, you? I, I I literally struggle with this. It's time to go I, to bed I, with I big was, dog, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking, oh, doggy style. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I was like, no, not big dog. I couldn't, couldn't I be there? And I had the dinosaur, and then the Teletubby's too weird and innocent. And it just that's why I do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I just did say. I was about to say too much like a child. I'm glad I didn't say that before he said it. <laughs> um. I, I think I'd have to I'd, go with Barney the Dinosaur. I'd get a camera, right, and I'd hook it up to its yeah, Teletubby, boy. to its Teletubby, so I could watch myself banging it on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like banging twins. Yeah, that's great. 
That's, and hold on to the little antenna thing. That's yeah. horrendous. I, yeah, I'm Barney the dinosaur. Mikey's having a threesome, and you're banging a jelly tummy. Great. Which one? Oh, wasn't Poe? Poe was, oh, was that little red one. Yeah. Was. Just a reminder, yes, we do have a tendency to go on a little tangents, but we do get on with the podcast eventually. All right, just just bear with us. You have to get used to this again. One of them more feminine than the other one? One carried a handbag, but it was a canonically male. But wasn't one of them eventually that came out that there was a massive uproar because one of them was gay? Yeah, that's the, uh, it was the purple yeah. one carried a handbag. It's like, oh, it's a lady one. So, well, actually, no, he's a boy. And they're like, well, clearly that means he's gay. It was like, it's a bag. What is wrong with it? Wrong with You've it? never heard of man bag? Yeah, this is He's European! Yeah. Actually, due to the fact that man bag was British, he's technically no longer European due to Brexit. Can't believe our podcast stopping ruined the world. It's a this, is, program. This, is a, this is a fat alien on a planet with a baby son. With a baby <laughs> son. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about the baby son. It doesn't have to be gay. Yeah. Uh, this week's film was my pick. It's called The Giant Claw. It's from 1957. It's one of your classic black and white... Well, it's not classic. It's just a black and white monster film from the 1950s. The Giant Claw is a black and white horror sci-fi flick from 1957. Ah, the 1950s. The A-bombs brought all nearly nuclear to the American vernacular and radioactive monsters to the silver screen. Communist paranoia brought with it themes of invasion, whilst the wonders of modern movie magic made massive magnificent monsters possible. Though IMDB would tell you that The Giant Claw is a fantasy horror sci-fi, there is a strong thread of comedy stitched into its being. And this isn't just a case of the effects not aging well, or the themes of the 1950s films seeming trite to modern audiences either. During the film's initial theatrical run, many audiences laughed at it. And by it, I mean the monster, not the film. Which, all said and done, isn't actually terrible. Oop, oop, getting ahead of myself. Uh, back of the din. The giant claw begins with a smart-talking civil aeronautical engineer, Mitch McAfee, testing radar systems near the North Pole. Gotta make sure those commies from the USSR don't go sneaking nuclear bombers into the US. As McAfee jets about, he witnesses a UFO. Not a flying saucer, just something flying about that he couldn't identify and didn't get a good look at beyond it being massive. Ever more frightening, the UFO is not picked up by the newly installed, very advanced radar system. Initially ignored and laughed at, McAfee is adamant that there is something up there. I wanna believe. Man. Soon, evidence mounts that there is, in fact, some flying, battleship-sized thing zipping about the skies, knocking planes from the air, all the while being invisible to radar. This one's a bit notorious for being laughably terrible. Uh, many others have been coming out during that time period. Tarantula, it came from 20,000 fathoms, uh, it came from beneath the seas, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon... Mm. Pod people, not pod, no, the original pod people. Uh, all these sorts of things where various, they sort of discovered the nature you could make some really cool claymation, uh, stop motion creature and have your actors react to this thing. This film was so <laughs> low budget that uh, basically the monster was an afterthought. Uh, they knew it would be flying. They knew it would be bird-like. Uh, the entire cast never saw it until mm. premiere day. That was when they first encountered our mm. googly-eyed friend, mm. the giant claw. Uh, so what happened was the director went, okay, I was originally going to use really cool stop motion. Can't afford it. Uh, I'm going to contact this local artist and they're going to make me... In a, Mexico. In Mexico. In Mexico. Make, make me mm. a puppet. So mm. an artist who hasn't got any... 
previous movie making experience but is you know handy enough with a glue gun and that kind of thing capable of making something but not necessarily making it capable of being moved in such a way that be believable on film we ended up with a marionette a marionette of that's being very very generous it was on strings in it yeah <laughs> you know okay it it is a marionette. people who but are it around looks our age like a turkey with it looks like Aussie and ostrich eyes. yeah but do you remember as a, as a kid there was that ostrich? Or, uh, it was a marionette ostrich. Um, it was it was big. Basically, uh, you, you had the four yeah, the four poles and, and, and you oh, could yeah, that, and you could make it walk. Make it walk. That's walk. what it was. Yeah, you can get literally. It, yeah, essentially. Yeah, uh, but with a few more wires for some facial control, uh, it made it, it made the most annoying, repetitious <laughs> noise of any creature. Basically, the horror for this monster is the fact that it exists at all. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Moving on, our electrical engineer friend, not Sam Rackwell. Give me a second. I've got to look this one. Mitch Mac- McAfee. McAfee. A civil oh, engineer. Electrical engineer. Electrical engineer. No, a civil aeronautical engineer. Yeah, well, they refer to him multiple times. Anyway, possibly. Yeah. Let's not get too, too <laughs> caught up in that considering. I'll just mention as well, the film was released as a double bill with The Night the World Exploded. Possibly a better film than this. I haven't checked, though. Um... <laughs> Uh, They're testing and calibrating uh, the growing number of uh, radar bases being built as the radar test flight. Yeah, Yeah, radar test flight, because they're building a whole bunch of new ones. Uh, And he sees a UFO very quickly, very, doesn't know what it was, but it's the size of a battleship. Uh, Everyone thinks he's basically pulling a fast little joke because they scrambled jets and one didn't come back, so it's your fault. Uh, and then it sort of swiftly changes to maybe he wasn't making a joke because more planes go down and the thing keeps attacking and they were attacked again he was attacked with uh, the mathematician that was involved in the test flight on the way back to New York back on the the way to New York uh, where his pilot friend is unfortunately killed as a result because he gets jam all over his face yeah true he face plants he was, a jam sandwich. Yeah, he was eating his lunch. Oh, my lunch! When they get hit by the bird, and he's got jam on his face for a second. He's like, oh, it's like no, the pilot's out. So they uh, crash land and escape, and still don't know what's going on. Well, at this point, it's actually half uh, decent in yeah. the sense yeah. that yeah. It's, a, it's a monster movie, but you don't get to see. It. You see this flash of something, yeah, and not even a sound. I don't yeah. think. At no, that you point. don't hear anything. Um, it's just vague things in the clouds. In the case of the attack, the the plane shakes, and it's like. Oh, well, the, the instruments don't show any wind, and a uh, unit of measurement that I've been introduced to is like, wind? That was more than a hat full of wind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use hat full as a good measurement from now on, especially in baking. Uh, <laughs> you need a hat full of sugar yeah, for this. <laughs> top hat. Ten young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's too close of a national measurement. <laughs> Two skips of a baseball cap. Um and the plane goes down and all that kind of thing. Uh, you don't see it much until uh, I think a bit later. It's like, oh, we've got visual on it, and <laughs> it is a blurred, like a blurred 2006 model fucking photo on a phone yeah. uh, of this manic ostrich-like bird yeah. with the googly crazy eyes. <laughs> if, if you've ever been watching. <laughs> If you've ever been watching uh, a news broadcast where they have a live feed of a city behind them and there's those moments where like a seagull will just stand up and be in front of camera and be looking down the camera lens for whatever Imagine reason. that seagull Imagine was two that. inches from the lens. Yeah, two inches from the lens <laughs> and someone had embedded Steve Buscemi's eyes into it. <laughs> it's this hot, weird, googly-eyed thing and it's meant to be it's like, my God, what is that? And it's like... <laughs> Kill me now. 
I'm not the Baron Nation. And they figure out like that. The, re- the reason no one believed him about uh, our friend McAfee uh, is that nothing showed up in our radar. So you're lying. It would even pick up a bird. I, I do want to really bring in a line of thought where, they, where he said, that we have a UFO. They yeah. scrambled the fighters yeah. and then one didn't come back. And they, for some reason, didn't have that as evidence that some shit happened up there. Oh, because there was, uh, you'll notice it, they referenced it when they were in the past. Like, there shouldn't have been a storm here. It can make storms because of the nature of its, its, anti-matter. its anti-matter shield. Uh, so yeah. like, oh, it, okay. it got lost in a storm. Yeah, right. I missed that part then. They didn't say that. That's just my ability to... to okay, to well, in that case, things. I'm back to my outrage. It's yeah. a gigantic <laughs> bird as big as a battleship. It's come from an antimatter galaxy uh, uh, and has an antimatter shield protecting it <laughs> from missiles. And radar. And radar. Uh, I like at one point how they... Uh, we're probably skipping through a little bit here. I don't they, think it matters, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> they're talking about... They say, oh, it's made of... Is it made of antimatter? Then wouldn't that mean that it would just... When it combines with regular matter, it would just explode? I was like, aha, they're, they're clever. They did that. He goes, like, no, non-sequitur explanation. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, he, they do. So I was like, no, it doesn't appear to be made from antimatter itself, but it makes uh, some sort of antimatter projection. Yes. Okay. So... Which would be the same would as still that. be the exact same yeah. thing would happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but... But and also uh, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it has this antimatter projection, but it, it closes that so it can go through and attack things. And like, so you know that it closes that to go through. Why not just wait until it attacks attack something and shoot a missile down its throat? Yeah. Either way, they're like, shit, we can't get through our antimatter. It's anyway filled. Well, they throw some more planes at it. It's like, oh god! And one of the most uh, lackadaisical deaths over a radio. Like you've had some good deaths over radios and some cinema. Oh god, it's got me! Like in Aliens franchise, you'll hear mm. screaming and all that kind of thing. It's like, all right, this is a recon leader. Oh no, it's after me! Ah! Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the entire the entire team. I was like, well, that was. He seemed very concerned that he was. Like, <laughs> uh, so oh, they they geez. decide. Oh, I'm just going to spoil the whole thing. Fuck it, I think. And they, 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 mate, like, what, what, what do you need to fix this? Isotopes. No. Yeah. Isotopes. No, no, no not, 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 not. We need, we need the no. Springfield freaking baseball team. No. It's not, it's not an isotope. A meson is a, a, a subatomic particle uh, thing. So Subatomic particle thing. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Technical term. The thing. Uh, so they're like, well, if it's small enough that it'll be able to weasel its way into uh, the anti-proton shield and basically cause it to collapse. Cool. I'm an electrical engineer, not a physicist, but I'm going to build a gun that shoots that, which they attach to a bomber and shoot the bird. And then my favorite part of the film is the fact that they go, bang, bang, yep, good, shoot it, yep, bird's dead, the end. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is over by the time it hits the water from it's the like, fall. It's like, <laughs> the end and is over, it's claw sinking yeah. down into the water. Yeah, it's like, yep, we got uh, it. job done, folks. And they go home. <laughs> Characters, actors, and their performances. Uh, the dude. Jeff Morrow is yeah, Nick McAfee. The Jeez. Uh, he no, he's really the electrical well. engineer, yeah. I actually really liked him. He was a great guy. I, I will say, uh, yeah, very, very... Bel- Only saving grace of yeah. this movie was his acting. He, he yeah. was a solid... He has oh, like a John Wayne sort of swagger to him. Like, yeah. He's just a... You could be like, oh, you're such a ladies' man. And he had a lot of really great quips. And yeah, yeah. His, his sort of sarcasm was great. I will say it was kind of sad for him because he was like, yeah, cool. I get to be in a cool monster film. Saw it during the premiere, snuck out because he was so embarrassed because every time the bird came up, everyone would laugh. And he'd been <laughs> telling all these stories like, oh, it's this real, we're going to be a real horror show with this one. It's, oh, it's a giant bird. 
and everyone's just fucking laughing at it. Oh, he's like, I feel oh. bad for that though because he did a really good performance. Yeah. And besides the bird, it was a pretty good film. Like, I yeah. honestly was ready to hate it a lot more than what I did. If and the thing was, if you actually changed the bird, if you put a, a better bird in, this yeah. is actually a decent movie. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. actual uh, the whole okay, the the, 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 plot, the plot theory to do with the bird in nineteen fifty seven was rough. Using nineteen fifty seven science, I think they're doing okay. Yeah, they're doing yeah. fine. Uh, if you actually put a decent monster in here, it's mm. actually not a bad movie because up yeah. until the fact you see the monster, it's yeah. actually it's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he was the only saving grace, and I saw a lot of a lot of critics said that as well. Yeah. Um, the only one th- good thing about this movie it was to do with, said one other thing that was to do with like, the, the initial setup and his acting is the only decent yeah. thing. With this mm. he's also he, he's also a bit of a ladies man good old-fashioned 50s romance oh yeah but he's mm. also very fucking dodgy because he's <laughs> only met this girl once she's asleep next to him on the plane and he, and he just starts her. to kiss her yeah 50s romance that's actually inappropriate but she's a-okay with it she, she was she woke up and she was like fine i'm like it's like what are you doing i was like they say the uh what was it? Love taken is greater than love received. received. How about love permission? Yeah. I was got a feeling up until that point. I was like, oh, like a woman mathematician in amongst all the scientists like that. I feel like for 1957, that's, that's pretty progressive for like for its time. And mm-hmm. she's a smart lady that's, and then that scene comes up and I was like, ah, oh, you were so close. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to get yeah, that tinge yeah, of rapey well, in I, there. I, I, would, I would like to say as well, at least she didn't get hysterical and need a slap. Flat out domestic abuse. Yeah, true. That, well, that is true. I was kind of waiting for that to happen, but she seemed too like collected yeah, as a, of a character yeah. to to the point where she was like the brains for a lot of it. She figured yeah. out sort of why the bird was there. Anyway, this yeah, probably yeah. when we get into her character. Yeah. Would, oh, she's pretty simple. She's a mathematician. She was she was cool with being kissed awake, which again I was just like, I can't believe that they worked. did that, and that was your reaction. Nineteen fifties <laughs> chemistry, man. It worked quick. It did work very, very, very quick. Um, anything to say on that? They're really the only two main characters, aren't uh, they? Uh, yes, uh, the character is Sally Cal- uh, Caldwell, played by Mara Corday, who's actually been in a number of these sorts of films. I think she was also in It Came From Beneath the Sea. Yeah. Came, yeah. came From Beyond the Sky, possibly. Uh, this movie came out two years before my dad was born, so <laughs> I, I don't know any of the um, actors. <laughs> yeah, uh, like she, she did a great performance. I think she did did very well. Yeah. Uh, not as much uh, sort of on screen charisma in the role compared to like uh, Jeff Morrow as McAfee, uh, but yeah, she did did pretty well. Played yeah, a good side part. Yeah, definitely. Again, there's not really any other actors. There's this weird French Canadian dude, but that's about it. Yeah, um, the generals. Yeah. They're all just there to be there. Yeah. I don't know. They're all just sort of there to pr- progress the plot because it's just out of necessity. Yeah. I-, I would say with the two generals, there's a moment where they're discussing things with McAfee and they all basically take turns being angry. And it's great because <laughs> one person will be angry and, the-, and the-, the third wheel will be like, there's no need to be angry. And then the second one will get angry. And the first one was like, there's no need to be angry. And then the, th- <laughs> the-, the-, the original third wheel was like, blah, blah, blah. And then the first one was like, there's no need to be angry. So they all alter turns being both the aggressive one, the one being yelled at, and the person who's being the level-headed person. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Are you, okay, good on you for each taking a turn and showing some chops in terms of acting, but you didn't a character consistency or at all. Or? Uh, anyway, the, the general seemed to be, to me, copy pastes of each other. They seemed oh, yeah. exactly the same, and the only way I could no, differentiate one had an extra star. That would totally stop my thing. <laughs> the only way I could differentiate was one was a two, three, one was a two star, one was a three star general. Um, looks and tone, with the exception that. There the was bird a, looks a, like shit. A terrible, it looks like something you'd find at the Newcastle show in a show bag. Oh, that's. Oof, oof. I think Newcastle show would do better than that. Yeah. To be quite honest, I got some pretty good Fredos out of and the show bag. And they're pretty low. Yeah. I think a Birdie the Beetle is better. Oh, that's right. Oh, Birdie but, uh, Beetles. It's been a while. That's been a while. With the exception of that, the rest of the look of the movie was actually quite good, especially mm. when they were only showing flashes of what ended up being the yeah. bird. Um, the way they set that up was fine. Uh, the, the way it was filmed in that sense was fine. Yeah. Obviously, it's a black and white movie. Yeah. Um, it's still, it's still a move from 1957, so they have plane models that are very clearly a model, model plane yeah. hanged from uh, string. Yeah. But, but even they like, weren't terrible. Yeah, no. yeah, they were still fine. Like, yeah. the but then again, they were probably just ones that have been used in other yeah. films. Uh, yeah. That's also with the shots of basically any shot where there's a crowd or actual planes flying. A lot of those are actually shots taken from other films. Yeah, right. It's okay. reused footage and that kind of thing to the point where... Grand Central Station when it's getting attacked by the bird you can actually see a UFO because it's from another film yeah Yeah, Yeah. and there's a few times where they reuse footage and then reverse it so it's like oh the plane's going this way now it's like well how come USAF is written backwards down the side of it now it's like they should just flip the footage yeah but in terms of looks and tone I think they've done quite well for for the time for the time definitely well and it holds up mostly especially like in terms of pacing it wasn't there wasn't anything that really dragged on it was just sort of present and it's like cool yep you've moved on you've moved on you've moved on the film's ended okay yeah, yeah but even the, t- the tone isn't like you said this is 1957 so the science they were going yeah. with is, is is very forward thinking in, mm. in what they're going with but the tone isn't even even terrible i i, di- I did read that apparently uh, according to someone uh the inspiration for the story had been taken from media reports about scientific discoveries in the field of particle phil- physics mm-hmm. dealing with matter and antimatter so they mm. were something had been discovered At the and time. they were, they were yeah. like let's make a movie regarding this which is it's yeah. quite clever well, like, i suppose yeah. um like now movies you see a heap of movies reference what's the what's the big collider the hydro hi- hi- large hydro collider yeah that's referenced in mm. whole of the movie so we're, we're just doing a black hole and we're just doing something. it now yeah they um, seem to be very fixated on radar as well i'm guessing because yeah. radar actually at the time was becoming much more mainstream common, commonplace yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Um, other things, apparently it was influenced by a Japanese film called Rodan. Mm. Um, and the, oh, Rodan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he fights Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other story was um, from uh, the Samuel Hopkins Adams story, Grandfather and a Winner's Tale, about a La Carange, and that's the mythical bird-like banshee from French-Canadian folklore. Uh, which mm-hmm. are French-Canadian French guy referenced. That didn't really work. <laughs> no, it was very much like, oh, I've seen something, it was terrifying, I'm going to cry about it because I'm French. I will say that uh, one thing that didn't really carry over well for me, didn't because it's a, a factor from 1957, there's moments where just uh, it opens with narration and telling you, it's like, the day is this yeah. and that, and mankind is doing so. Man is eating lunch here, another man yeah. poos and eats his cereal at the well, same time. They're quite literally gross. narrating what is happening on the screen yeah. and Le- saying what the character would be saying if they were just yeah. talking. And Benjamin talked to Alison and said, could you pass the salt? <laughs> and you can see her lips moving and say, can you pass the salt? But she doesn't say anything. And then that happens a few times in the film. Yeah, and He's like, 
I guess microphones must have been expensive to be running at the same time as a camera, so it was just cheaper. It's like, we're not going to run the audio on we'll this. We'll just talk it over. I'll do it, I'll, we'll do it in VO, VO later. Yeah. You guys do the scene. So that was a little bit funny. Overall? Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you've watched many other of these sorts of things, your, your black and white monster films, it'd be... I'd, I had a good laugh at it. I really laughed my ass off at this thing especially just because of the creature I was waiting for it every time it came on I'd clap and cheer mm. and oh my god the sound you think that is that is the sound of horror apparently yeah. you like, think these people are about to be eaten by this fucking bird and it's a mildly disgruntled swan yeah it's like okay we're gonna record all the noises for the bird yep ready <laughs> shit we've got two seconds worth of tape left <laughs> Well, that'll have to do. And then just repeat that constantly. Yeah. It never changed. I think at one point it goes, <coughs> like just the end part once. And that's the only time. Like no no roars, no other thing. It's just making that noise. Every time it's on screen, it's constantly making that noise. Mike, overall? Um, so look, when I was first looking at it, I was thinking, oh, Jesus, Matt, what have you done? But I actually liked it a lot more than what I feel like I should have. Yes. Like I, I really did. Like I was going into expecting to hate it from the get-go. But the first 30 minutes is actually pretty solid. Like... Uh, mm. Like this shot from like the cockpits aside and mm. the general cheapness looking of the movie, a lot of the dialogue was really funny and charming yeah. actually, uh, especially so especially with Jeff. Well, a little bit rapey, um, but it's he, okay. He says poetry to it. Like for example, when the generals come to pick him up to help them, he's like, "You guys keep your shirts on. I'm going to put my pants yeah, on." Yeah, I thought that's such a great it's, line. It's, it, it, just, it says it so so fluidly and yeah. so charmingly. I'm like so continuity error in that as well. He turns and waves to the girl who wasn't in that scene. Right. Because he there's a shot of the empty apartment and then the knocking, and there's a shot of him opening the door, but it's not established she was there, and they edited out the fact that she was there because it's like, oh no no. Ah, they did not right. stay in the same bedroom or the same same house or anything. Because okay. he goes like, "All right, I'll go get dressed," and waves to an off-screen person with a bit of a wink and a smile. But there's no one there except yeah, for the right. coffee table. I didn't pick that. I was just too charmed. Yeah, no, he's he, really he's got he's, some great lines. He's really good. So overall, like, I it kind of even let me overlook the creature a little bit to the point where I didn't really I care. Mean, I love the creature. I, I love how bad the creature was. No, and, I couldn't overlook it in the fact that it was in it so much and it made yeah. the sound every time you fucking <laughs> saw it. I, I couldn't it, overlook. I, that. I guess I guess I was more taken aback by how unoffended I was by the movie mm. that I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah the, so, the movie itself isn't the, the only like if you like I said if you replaced it with a decent movie a decent. <laughs> A decent, movie mon- <laughs> a decent movie monster it actually would have been a decent movie yeah. but they didn't they went with that even if they had have not had that sound effect every time would have made it slightly better hmm. but for me mm, overall i've seen far better monster movies i i the the mist has ah. subsided from last monday when i watched it <laughs> yeah um but i was like that was shit. Mm. Um, again, yeah. I can I, I can appreciate it being terrible in a sense because I like B grade, but I was just like really like I could have made sixty year old B grade. I could have <laughs> no anybody in this room, including the beer bottles, could have made a better monster. Yeah, yeah. Than what they than what a fucking film production studio did it wasn't a production studio that made it that's the problem it It wasn't a production studio but they went to an artist and that artist should probably not have artistry as his day job well no that's that's the the problem was the skills to make something that looks like that Matty 
But I'm yeah, sure Westwall's End's art teachers yeah. could have made something better. Yeah. That's Westwall's End art teachers. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem was they got someone whose background is art to make something that was meant to be a movie prop. You, you hired the wrong person. Like, yeah, mm. yeah. But you you've seen stopped. what they came up with. Yeah, yeah. I could have done better than that. All right, next week's project with, with a sock. <laughs> Oh, can we a do balloon a, can we do an edit and some of this? glue. Can we do an edit of it where it's, we, we make the monster with sock puppets? <laughs> <laughs> it was... That part of it was woeful. Absolutely. It totally worked. But there was also a scene... I kind of want to redouble it because there's a scene where uh, after they've crashed, they ended up at, at the um, French-Canadian guy's house and there's the blanket on the bed underneath. It's like, oh, the, the dead pilot's underneath the blanket. But it looks like... If, if you just turn the volume off, it looks like a cop walks in and he's like, how much for the blanket? It's like, well, it's a heavy blanket. It's like, 20 bucks? Yeah, right. Hey, guys, go get the blanket. They come up, pick up this blanket and then run off with it. Anyway, uh, would you recommend? That's a no. I want to say no because I feel like there would be better movies to watch. if yeah. you want it. Like if you're going to spend your time watching a 50s monster, monster movie, movie, there are far better ones out there. So I'm going to say no based on that. But having said that, I enjoyed it a lot more than I should have. Cool. Yeah, uh, mine's a, a no. Again, exactly what Mike just said. No, in without that monster, it might get there, but then it's nothing great. Like even if you replace that monster, it's still nothing great. No. I think it has a hat full of things to say. <laughs> things. Most of the critical reception was quite bad. There was a couple of people that said basically, I just said yeah. it in the sense that with a decent monster, it yeah. would have actually been something decent. Um, but most of it was negative. And I liked this one. This would have been an ordinarily bad type of movie with a, with, with a good performance by Jeff Morrow mm. if the special effects had been industry standard for the time. <laughs> that, however, is not what happened. The claw was just badly rendered. It was hilariously rendered. Once you see it, you'll never forget this awesomely silly creature. Yeah, And that's true. Yeah. I've got this fucking manic ostrich just <laughs> burnt... Two inches from my face going, <laughs> for the rest of my life. I kind of made it more endearing for yeah. me in a way, though. No. I kind of did. I do, I do like the fact that as well... I've like, been up since like 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and was on a five-hour flight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fair. Oh, dear. I, I do like the fact that it's one of the only space creatures... I like it when space creatures don't look cool. It didn't look like a space creature. It was a fucking bird. Yeah, I know. But it was like, yeah, but it was a what kind of weird anti-matter? Yeah, okay. You're going to get an anti-matter galaxy. Just create your own thing. Don't have it as a bird. Have True. it as an alien. True. But you've went, oh, in this anti-matter universe, <laughs> things Giant look like bird. fucking birds. Yeah. But I, I think they were like, oh, cool. It'll, it'll be alien. It'll lay eggs. What's a flying thing that lays eggs? Bird. Yeah. A bat would have been better. <sighs> Chicken bat. Chicken bat. <laughs> <laughs> no. Giant nuggets. I don't think we got any spoilers. No. You, you covered the spoilers in like the first couple of minutes. Yeah, you know exactly what's happening. Anyway, uh, that was the audiobook version of The Giant Claw. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week's pick is uh, Wrongfully Accused. Wrongfully I've Accused. I've heard of this. I'm sure I've heard of this. Yeah. Not enough people have seen this movie. Sure, Not enough people know who Leslie Nielsen is. Yeah. Yeah. And I that see, is I just see, like, sad. That's naked gun movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that kind of was off the tail of those. Police Squad like, was so good. Like 33 um, and 3rd and then... Uh, Dracula Dead, dead and loving, loving It. Yeah, and Spy Hard as well. Yeah, that was really good. But yes, this will be... Really? Yeah, folks. I, I, yeah. I guess just because I've, because I've seen it, I was like, really? People haven't heard of this. I haven't seen it. 
Most people I ask, no idea. Leslie Nielsen. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to rewatch this. It's been a long time. Yeah. I think anyone who liked Naked Gun might have watched. Like, Probably. if people like Naked yeah. Gun, they might have seen this. But then a lot of people just don't like. Yeah, because Naked Gun was main like mainstream. Well, I guess we're back. Catch you next week. <laughs>